Good morning, church. Uh, it is a privilege for me to, to come to you this morning and, and uh, bring the message. Um, it always is. I take this very seriously, and uh, I just pray that God would uh, inspire you through something that I've said. And uh, so now let's go in prayer, and we'll get started. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, the privilege of speaking your word to the church, Father I pray, God, that you would use me today to inspire the church, Father, that we would go and do your will, Father. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we are going to be uh, in the book of Titus. And the goal is to find out what's going on in this book and how it helps us today. So the book of Titus, it is a short book. It's only three chapters long. But the uh, book, it's, it's packed with a lot. So I encourage you to, you know, after today, go read the book of Titus. Um, obviously, the book was written to a man named Titus. Uh, this man, Titus, was mentioned 13 different times in the New Testament. Uh, he was a minister with Paul. Him and Paul went about um, preaching the kingdom of God, ministering, uh, setting up churches. And Paul called Titus his son in the faith. Um, Titus and Paul went to an island called Crete, and they set up a church there. And once they set the church up, Paul left Titus on the island to set everything in order, to, to set up leaders, teach them how they should live. Many people believe that this letter that Paul wrote is in response that he got from the church about something that was going on, the state of the church. The book of Titus covers several topics, but one topic that is mentioned over and over in each of its three chapters is the Christian maintaining good works. So that's what I want to talk about today. So plain and simple, what is good works? It's basically good things that we do that are intended to meet the needs of others so that our Heavenly Father would receive glory. The object of the Christian's good works is God and people. We see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus goes about healing people and feeding people, discipling people, and even giving his life. All intended to meet the needs of others so that his father would receive praise. So why does Paul write this short letter that is so heavily packed with the topic of doing good works? Why did he write this to Titus? I think for us to understand this, um, we have to go back into the culture of what was going on this, on this island. Because Paul doesn't write to Titus to correct doctrine or theology. Titus was mentioned 13 different times in the New Testament, which means that he was about doing the work. Paul trusted him. And Titus very well knew where Paul stood on doctrine and theology. So let's go to this small island of Crete and find out what was going on here that made Paul have to write this letter to Titus. The island of Crete was known at that time for the center of Greek mythology, the worship of Greek gods. And the chief god that they worshipped was Zeus. Um... This was their claim to fame, that Zeus was raised on our island. So 
The name of Zeus and the way that Zeus carried his life was celebrated on this island, even imitated. Now, this is not a message about Greek gods, and it's not about Zeus, but this is to help us understand when Paul started this church on this island, what the atmosphere was around this church. Zeus was, a, was considered to be a god that would lie to get what he wanted at times. He was an adulterer. He had a wife, but he also had many relationships. Very often, he showed little sympathy for the misery and the suffering of people. He also used his power for selfish motives. And this was imitated. As their God went, so did the people on this island of Crete. And they celebrated anybody who imitated this type of behavior. So I ask you, is this any different than our culture right now? Unfaithfulness. Sometimes men celebrate unfaithfulness. How many women can you have? Lying to get your way. Lack of care for others. And even using unfair advantages to get ahead. This is what Paul said about the Cretans. In Titus 1, 12 through 13, he says, Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said, The people of Crete are liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. And then Paul said, This testimony is true. Also on this island, there was a Jewish presence, those who didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about their presence as well. In Titus 1, 10 through 11, this is what he said. But there are many, there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. That's talking about the Jewish, the Jew, Jewish people there. They must be silenced because they are subverting whole households by teaching things that they should not. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. I looked up the word subverting. And it means to undermine the power and authority of an established system or institution. Paul said they were subverting whole houses. This is where the churches were in the house. And Paul said the presence of the Zeus worshiping and the Jews coming against Christ was actually coming against the authority of the established church that God had put on this island through Paul and to be maintained by Titus. Denouncing Jesus is sufficient, ruining whole households. Men were being taught that in order to be to be close to God, you have to be circumcised. And most men didn't want any parts with that. Is that any different than things today? The name of Jesus Christ being denounced? Taken out of schools? Universities teaching that God may not even be real? And all the things we see on social media, our culture is not that much different. These two influences on the, on the island. They were coming against what Paul had planted on this island. And this was Paul's response to Titus. This is what he said. In Titus 2, 13 and 14, Paul told Titus, Tell the people to be looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity 
and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous for good works. This is what Paul said in short. While all this is going on, tell the people, get your focus on Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. And he himself said in Matthew 16 and 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what I say to you today is all that's going on in our our society, our community, our culture. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that guards the church. The next thing that Paul does is he says, now after your eyes are on Christ, focus on what he has done for us. He has gave himself for us. That we may be redeemed and purified. And what he's saying is, look at the works that were done for you. He gave himself for you. And then Paul tells Titus, remind the people now to go be that same example. Be zealous for good works. That word zealous means charged up. Pray for it. Wanting to be a part of good works. Paul was basically saying, go be the power of the church. And that's what I would say this morning. In the midst of all this is going on, we are to go be the power of the church. Church, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And our God is alive. And he's asking us. Go be alive in your community. James 2.17 says this. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The people who don't know Christ, they're not really concerned about knowing the Greek and the Hebrew of the scriptures. They're not concerned about some of the things that go on in these walls. And our power needs to go outside. Paul tells Titus in chapter 3, the first verse, he says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work. Ready for it. So how does the Christian get themselves ready for every good work? Is it something that we just muster up on the inside and just go do it? Go be about it. I think Paul gives us uh, an understanding of it in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, 16th and 17th verse. He says, all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We must spend time in, in the word. Because. God's word makes us wise about our salvation. When I first gave my life to God, it was about, okay, I'm on my way to heaven. Now, I just got to go to church. I got to read the Bible and try not to mess it up. That was salvation. But as we spend time in the word, God makes us wise about what our salvation is for. It is for loving God, but it's also for loving others. And this is the reason why we spend time in God's word, because it gets us ready for good works. It corrects our selfish nature. 
And it takes our eyes just off of us. And it puts our eyes on other people. We also have a cloud of witnesses in the word of God that are doing good works. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship. His means God. So we can read it. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When it says we are, we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ, that is basically letting us know that good works, they don't save us. That's not how we receive salvation. Good works are what we're supposed to do, but salvation comes freely. It's a gift. And the only thing you have to do is accept it. But once you've accepted that gift, there's work to be done. And that's what it means. We are saved unto good works. And it says that these good works were ordained, ordained for us beforehand. You know, many people, uh, they know I'm part of Big House in this church. And there's others in this church that are part of Big House. But I never imagined that I would be doing that type of stuff. I never imagined getting up every Saturday morning hanging out with kids. That was a work that was prepared for me before I even stepped foot in Jacksonville. There is work that God has prepared for you. And it's not if he's prepared it. It's what work have you prepared for me, God? And we should spend time talking to our Heavenly Father, asking God, what have you prepared for me? Personally and as a church. In Titus 3, 8, Paul tells Titus, this is a faithful saying, and I want you to stress these things constantly. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to maintain good works. These things are profitable to men. Paul tells Titus, make sure you teach that on this island, where there's so much coming against the church, tell the people, maintain good works. I say the same thing to you. All that's going on in our society. Love for each other is diminishing. Maintain good works. Our works should go with us. They should go into work with us. They should be in our family. They should be in our community. They should be around our friends. They should see the light that radiates from our life. That is the power of the church. Paul says we are supposed to be profitable to men. Our salvation that lies within us should be profitable to men, profitable to our community. Think of the examples of good works that we can do. Maybe mentor somebody who has no father. Feeding the poor. All types of things that we can be doing. Two weeks ago, I went into a neighborhood and... uh, I had a pamphlet with me. It was a big house pamphlet. And I had the, the card for all souls. And I wanted to go into a neighborhood. And I just wanted to talk to the, the manager that was within this community. And I wanted to ask, what can we do to serve your neighborhood? Well, I got to the door and the door was locked. They were out to lunch. 
and there happened to be an older lady at the mailbox. So I went over to this lady and I just started talking to her. I wanted to know, what is the neighborhood like? You know, what's the lay of the land? So I asked, are there kids? And she proceeded to tell me there's kids and there's this and there's that. So as we're talking, I handed her the card and she looked at me and she said, oh, all souls. I used to be a part of that church. And then she proceeded to tell me about the wonderful work that a woman in our congregation is doing. Now, I'm not going to say her name, but let's just call her Martha. That's not a real name, but that's the name I want to give her today. Martha. So she told me how Martha took her to the dentist and helped her get, you know, new teeth. And she said she spent all this time sitting at the doctor's office with me, and she just gave me her time. What if that was the representation of all souls all over our community? What if when people heard the name All Souls Anglican Church, it was represented by our good works and not just the name on front of the building? That's what we're called to be. Three times in the past two weeks, I've heard this statement from black and white people. I have nobody. People that are going through in life and they feel that they don't have anybody. It's ripe for us. One of the ladies who said this, that I have nobody. The church was a part of uh, blessing her family, her and her husband and their six kids. We were part of blessing their family. And when we blessed them, this lady who said, I have nobody, tears of hope just started falling down her face. Because it went from, I don't have anybody. To somebody cares about me. That's the power that is locked up in our Christian works. That's the power that God has given us. The influence. And nothing can touch that. Not government. Not whatever's going on out there. Nothing can touch that. There is a young girl. Her name is Bella. And she used to come to the big house when she was about 13, 14 years old. And she's 19 now. And uh, she was raised up in a Muslim home. Mom, dad, brothers, all Muslims. She just called me and invited me and my wife to her Christian church. But this is what she said when she called on the phone. She said, when I would come to Big House, I would see the adults' love and passion and excitement about Jesus Christ. And she said, because of that, it caused me to rethink everything I was taught at home. That is power. That is the power of a living God that lies with inside of us. And he says, I have given you this power. I have given you this influence. Now go use it. Let us follow our example. Jesus Christ. This is what is written about Jesus in Acts 10, the 38th chapter, or the 10th uh, chapter, the 38th verse. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. I'm going to stop there. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus had the ability to take over the whole world if he, if he chose, chose to. He had the ability to do anything he wanted to do. But listen to what he does with that power. He went about doing good. He took all the power that God bestowed upon him and he went about doing good. 
healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God is with us. And he has given us influence. He has given us power. His power, not our own. He says, now I want you to go be the power of the church within your community. Let's think right now, all of us in this room. Where could we be doing a good work? Is there somebody who's coming to mind? Is there some place? Is there something that God has burning in your heart right now? Don't let that go. Guys, we are called to love. That is our call. That is it. We are called to go and to love our community, each other. So this is what I would say. Follow the example of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Father, I pray that I haven't offended anyone. But I pray that I have inspired God. You have given us power. My life has been changed, God, because somebody came to me. Somebody was good. And I pray, Father God, that we realize what you have given us as the church. We are your body here on earth. And I pray that, Father God, after this message, that everybody in this room would be inspired to go and use the power and authority you've given us to do good works that are intended to bless the needs of others for one purpose, that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.